Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, it's Upfronts time. There's a lot of TV news happening. Um, we're not going to talk about most of it. No, uh, go 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 read it in variety, everyone. Yeah, when everything is done with Upfronts, we may have a few thoughts, but most of the things we we already kind of knew. Uh, I mean, we could get into the whole Constance Wu of it all, but I feel like everybody's kind of already covered that, and you know, yeah, you know, I feel like everybody knows where where we stand. We 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 like Constance Wu. We like fresh off the boat. People do stupid things online sometimes. That's about all I got. And people should have venues for that. Um, but also, I think Constance Wu probably saw that Superstore finale and went, wait, no, that's the one that gets to leave the show? <laughs> if they leave the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I they're not leaving the show. Uh, no, more, they're not. More on that later uh, in our Weekend TV here. But yeah, it, it's a bu- you know, it's finale time. There's a bunch of shows wrapping up. We are going to have next week a big roundup of CW finales because it's been a while since we talked about like all of them, <laughs> Flash and Arrow and and Supergirl and all that. So we're going to we're talk about all that. Maybe we'll have some Batwoman thoughts then. Uh, but this week, we're going to keep things on the shorter side. Yes. Yes, Crisis on Arrowverse finales. <laughs> yeah, that's Crisis. What, that's what we'll call the next week's segment. <laughs> I, I mean, the big the big TV topic, of course, this week has been Game of Thrones. And watching all these CW, well, not all, but several of these CW shows, most notably uh, Arrow, really center themselves around this big crossover rather than um, like the event spectacle of that, rather than what is actually best for their show. Um, mm-hmm. has been interesting amid all the conversations about Game of Thrones happening right now. And hopefully people are paying paying attention. My big thing so far has been justice for the Battlestar and Lost finales uh, because they're very good. And people who think they're not very good because they didn't because they focus on character instead of plot. I point you to get what's happening on Game of Thrones right now when you go plot over character. Obviously, you should do both. But if you have to choose, I will always take character over plot. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I kind of struggled with Game of Thrones anyway, is that it felt very plot heavy to me in season one. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I had too many questions about the plot and like the world, and they weren't answering them. So I just went, I'm done. And also your treatment of women is terrible. So I'm out. Very bad. It's very bad. Yeah, no, it's not a new thing. But we'll talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about Game of Thrones this week, just a little. Well, you you already did a whole extra segment about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and friends of the show, Allison Shoemaker, and now Clint Worthington um, from the Spool came on to talk with me about Game of Thrones because, of course, listeners, as you are hopefully well aware, Noel doesn't watch Game of Thrones, uh, and I was I was hot. <laughs> I was I was heated after this week's episode. Uh, Listeners, she was so heated. She was texting me about it afterwards. And I was just like, I have no context for this. But also, I feel very smug for quitting the show in season one now. <laughs> yeah, but that's not like, oh, anyways, you can go listen to our segment. We had we, we we were set up to do like over an hour of like really getting to talk about it and really break it down mm-hmm. and analyze. And then we had a half hour of technical difficulties. So <sighs> 
Yeah, it was a whole thing. So hopefully there Allison, will be. Allison, why do you always bring technical difficulties? Oh, Allison did not. It was me. It was definitely oh, no. me because I had to sit outside of a library to use and use their Wi-Fi so that we because of yeah. the timing of when we were. It was a whole thing. Anyways, um, do it. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully this week we will have one more Game of Thrones special where we can kind of after the finale collect our thoughts. You know, assuming Allison and Clint are able to come back on. But um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots of thoughts. You can go check those out over in our feed elsewhere. But for now, this week, we're going to talk about The Good Fight, uh, season three, which wrapped up its season. We haven't talked about it. The both. I mean, I've, I've been behind since the very beginning of the season. You've talked about it a bit, a bit but we haven't talked about it together since, like, episode two, the I want to say. premiere two. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. So we'll have some things to say. Uh, but let's get right into our Week in TV. So we're going to take a break and listen to a little music before we come back with our thoughts on the Week in TV. And then The Good Fight. We'll be right back after this. This week in TV, we are kicking things off with the Superstore finale, Sandra's Fight, and Employee Appreciation Day. Then Noel's going to talk about the Brooklyn Nine-Nine finale, Sicko, and Suicide Squad. Uh, we'll t- chat a little bit about what we do in the shadows, the trial. This week, their episode was Citizenship. I'm behind on it, but now we've both seen the trial. Y'all know we have thoughts. I'm going to talk about the Veep finale, Veep, and uh, just very very briefly about Game of Thrones. And then then we'll talk the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. premiere, Missing Pieces, some of the DuckTales, probably not every single episode, but the DuckTales bomb from the last two weeks. And we'll round things out with Drag Race Queens everywhere. So first up is the Superstore finale, Sandra's Fight and Employee Appreciation Day. And this, I mean, Superstore has been solid and very enjoyable all season, but this was next level, this finale. They yes. really, they really uh, delivered. And it's... It, 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 I feel a little frustrated that every time they need something to pack a punch, they just go right to Mateo and his, his, you know, he, the fact that he's undocumented, his immigration status. But when they do it so, like, it feels almost manipulative, you know? But when they do it so well, it's a reality faced by so many people in this country. And it's a topic that doesn't just get the respect it deserves on most TV shows, uh, you know, in, in something like Superstore, which takes place in a workplace where, you know, just statistically there are illegal immigrants in those jobs all over our country. Um, I think it's a great conversation to be having. And yeah, it's like an easy, safe go-to to like imperil Mateo and will care. But also they did a really good job and this is the this is our reality right now as a country so of course please please tell this story nobody else really is right now on tv right 
And that's the thing is like this show is uniquely positioned to tell the story, but it's also uniquely positioned to do a union story as well, yeah. which it does really, really well. And the ten and not necessarily like digging in deep as they necessarily could have, but just the whole, all right, we're going to have a meeting with some, with a actual union rep to start forming this. And then we're going to watch Jonah V Jonah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have to sabotage it basically and just the tensions that, that creates and then piling on how Co- cloud nine corporate uses an ice raid basically to apply pressure to stopping this as well is just real good and again this is basically i think the only show that could really execute both of these storylines especially in tandem with one another and also get like little details like Right, like the ice agents wearing HCI on their vests mm-hmm. as opposed to ice. So yeah, it, I mean, it's just really, it's a really well done take on a union story. It's a really well done take on um on an ice story. And um, I mean, I, I'm very proud union member right here. Big uh, supporter of of union rights, and I think it's you know I. Y'all know my politics. I'm not very subtle about it on the podcast. Um, but watching, I mean, I thought that he did a pretty good job in um, Sandra's fight of balancing between these, like, like showing where Amy's coming from and the, you know, trying to see if you can toe the line and protect their jobs. I thought the, the way that they framed her completely selling out the other branch made sense. And in the moment you're like with her as she's blackmailing Lori to keep their jobs. Um, But they also didn't make it a triumphant moment. You know, the audience I think is very with her, but they're not, you know, because we care about our characters. Um, But they also, Right, that's that's got to be Kelly's store, right? No, she's at the Fenton store. So that's yeah, she's at the Fenton store. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. But but the point being that this is a whole other set of people's jobs, and when push comes to shove, Amy sells sells them out because she's more focused on her people, and I think that's completely relatable and understandable. And and then to follow that immediately up with corporate is not your friend. Corporate yeah. is happy and excited to call ice. And yes, we like Jeff because he's hilarious yeah. and awkward. <laughs> we enjoy Jeff. How about that? Uh, yeah. And Jeff yeah. is on team, you know, team, our our workers, not team worker, but our, our team. <laughs> um, but the rest of that board does not give a crap and is is totally happy to send an ice squad to 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 search for uh illegal immigrants but more specifically to terrorize their workers that's why they're doing it they don't actually think they have any illegal immigrants there they're trying to terrorize their workers um and so i thought that it just like even before we get to the the climax of these two episodes it's a really compelling powerful story um and and balanced really nicely by sandra being so sandra (laughs) The Sandraist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a really elegant balance to all of this, including like bringing back some folks with Employee Appreciation Day. Um, since this was Justin Spitzer's last two episodes as showrunners of the show, which, boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> such a mean thing to do on your last two episodes of the showrunner. Here, guys, or, have fun figuring this out. <laughs> very powerful thing to do. 
But yes, yeah. no, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, and there's some ideas of what they can do next. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I, I, I get the sense that they're going to definitely follow this storyline through in the next season as well. Um, but the way that it, it culminated, um, a lot of the, like, these different pieces of the season I thought worked, you know, was really impactful and successful and, uh, tying together, like, this, what a great way to bring Kelly back. As the impetus yes. for a multi-store union movement, which is what yeah. it seems like we will hopefully get next next season, um, to bring back Bo just to be his, like to use his powers of annoyance for good, you know, <laughs> like it's great. There, there, there's so many little moments it's showing. I saw someone on my Twitter feed today commenting on on Dina's uh, arc and how like she would have been Team Ice at the beginning of the show. Um, mm-hmm. and so really repositioning her, especially with Amy, uh, versus with Glenn and, and like her relationships with these other characters over the course of the four seasons has her frantically trying to subvert the other people giving cardinal directions <laughs> to their troops, like, and, and tying in the, the security cameras with all this, you know, like it, it was a really well crafted final season. And then you get to the separate, uh, impact of, um, all of their, like the time they give Mateo and the time they give everyone else in, in this finale um, to, to really land the impact of these immigration policies and the, the, the ice raids that are happening all over our country and have been happening in at at a alarming rate since before the current administration. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the, that they allow that space from doing sort of a madcap, but also sort of still action showy run through the store um, and doing it really, really well. And in a way that felt like very organic. And like you said, paying off the security camera stuff that had been set up a little bit earlier in the season. Um, Paying off Mateo's like need to be employee of the month, you know? Right. Yes, exactly. Like that's such a good payoff for that of like <laughs> slightly hoisted by his own petard there, but also just like, so perfect type of thing and then just feeding that into like you said allowing that moment to breathe of like we're going to do this really long drive through the parking lot Mm -hmm. but we're going to really hit home like we're you're going to see the zip ties you're going to see like the extent of this armored vehicle basically that is coming to pick up this one guy Mm -hmm. who it's not armed in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But here's a paramilitary police force that's come to arrest him. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that that's just, like like you said, it's just really potent and really powerful. And this is kind of the, again, like we've said, this is really the only show that I think could do this and do this well. And still manage to work in a romantic tension between Amy and Jonah that feels organic but also resolves in a way that feels perfect for both of them and demonstrates like you were saying earlier with amy's sort of hollow victory of like no this is exactly the kind of tension and problem the two of them would have yeah well and i like that throughout all of their uh sparring i guess over these two episodes you don't get the sense that they're breaking up there's real tension and there's real um strain but it but it feels 
like something that they like there it's not an insty breakup you know what i mean like there it's yeah. not like well then i just don't know you anymore goodbye you know like they they're it feels very adult and um and respectful and and and, and tie, tying in the strain about the union stuff with uh how easy it is to turn for amy to turn into like a corporate stooge be like okay just tell me mm-hmm. who was there and also and she doesn't see how big a problem that is whereas she absolutely would have when she's a worker i think that yeah. you know that they did a really good job with that and then also to throw in the relationship strain of oh i'm never having a kid again oh we aren't not that i thought we were but like you know i thought all of that was really well handled the kelly thing went on a little too long for me about yeah. that, that but the, other than that the, again that also didn't feel like something that is a any any way a significant bobble between the two of them so again just the writers have handled these characters and their progressions very well this season and culminated in just i did not expect i mean i expected it to have a f- good finale they were clearly leading to some yeah. fun stuff and they clearly knew where they were going uh, i did not expect uh laughing out loud and crying in the same episode yeah yeah, and I don't, I didn't, I definitely didn't either. So it was really, really good. And I'm glad. So glad they're really coming glad back. They have a fifth season. Because oh, that would not have been okay. Can you imagine if that was the final shot of the whole show? I mean, like, that's, a, that's a, like, a powerful way to end your show. But, like, Mateo yeah. getting carted off is the very, oh, man. Oof. The only other thing I'll mention is now everyone knows and kind of understands how terrible Garrett is, and mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that carried through, even though I love Garrett very, very much, but <laughs> he's just kind of awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's still it's delightful. I, I really um, like, and, and I like how they absolutely pay off uh, Amy's like, no, you can never tell her now. You can never yeah. tell her. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, now I take this to the grave because she's my friend. Um, yeah, that was that was really well done. I, I I'm enjoying what they're doing with Glenn as a worker. Um yes. I think they've sold that in a way that other shows have tried to and utterly failed. And um, especially the notion that he was making six figures for all those years and probably never spent any of it. So financially he gave it all to his church let's be very real oh yeah that's true he definitely gave it all to the church so that the pastor could have another jet that's definitely a thing that happened in which case that was his choice and i don't feel bad about him going from making six figures to making minimum wage um yeah yeah. uh anyways i thought that that has worked really well and having amy as the boss is an important change for the show um, and progression of her her arc it adds new storylines for a lot of different characters and it really uh yeah i think it's been a, a good change this season one that i look forward to them following up on next season yeah same i hope we don't change anything because it's it's real good it helps it just shakes up the show immensely yeah well speaking of Shaking up the show immensely. Little shakes up a show quite like changing networks. Uh, how how is Brooklyn Nine Nine work for you at the end of the season? Is it? I mean, we've loved this season. Whenever we've, we've checked in on it, I'm a little behind yeah. on these last two. Did they nail the landing? Yeah, I mean, they do their Brooklyn Nine Nine thing of all right, something bad happens to the Nine Nine in the finale, <laughs> mm-hmm. and something bad happens specifically to Holt in that he gets all the way demoted back to a patrolman. Um, Because in an effort to thwart John Kelly's latest crime tipster app, that he's actually been using illegal wiretaps and listening devices to field his things, but is laundering those tips 
through this app, um, mm-hmm. which is so good. And it's kind of perfect. Like, it's a yeah. really nice way of taking a police police abuse sort of um, approach to the justice system and filtering it through Brooklyn Nine-Nine's lens is that um, Peralta and Holt recruit Ken Marino's <laughs> character, <laughs> uh, Kira Sedgwick and Dean Winters' characters, the Vulture, uh, Winch, and mm-hmm. I forget, CJ, who's Ken Marino's character, yeah. all come back in an effort to combine forces to form the Suicide Squad to mm-hmm. take down John Kelly. And there's there's a really delightful um, degrees of backstabs and betrayals and double crosses across um, Suicide Squad that just, it's a lot of fun. But the mm-hmm. ultimate result is that you have the fate of the 9-9 sort of in question yet again of like, but Captain Holt's not here. How will we survive? And the impetus being that Terry passed his lieutenant's exam, but they don't have the budget for his pay increase at the 9-9, so he was going to have to go to Staten Island. Staten Island? I've never been. I'm sure it's lovely. There's serious potential for what we do in the Shadows crossover now. But mm-hmm. um, by demoting Holt, you get to keep Terry because the pay difference helps. Um, but it also reestablishes uh, Wunsch as a overarching threat, which I'm excited about because Kara Sidgwick's so good on this show. Um, yeah. And her um, animosity with Holt is really, really good. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do in season six. I'm glad that they've got a uh, season seven. I'm really glad that they have a season seven. And so this episode's fun. There's a lot of good comedy, but most of it's sickos mostly just set up for Suicide Squad, and Suicide Squad pays off really, really handsomely. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to mention Cinco de Mayo. I thought that was a fun twist on the heist theme. It was such a good, it's such a good way to reincorporate a heist episode. Because mm-hmm. I remember going, oh, we're not going to get a Halloween episode because they're not coming back until after Halloween. And then they're just like, mm. we'll do it on Cinco de Mayo. And I just went, I love you, show. I love you so much. <laughs> I love the the retcon that actually everybody hated him, uh, Peralta, co-opting the, the heist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I enjoyed incorporating Kevin and like, I look forward to what's going to come next time now that he's part of that. He's yes. part of that. He's gotten a taste. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like Kevin is what Holt was the first time. Yes, you know, it, it, because the because Holt has become such a much much broader character. Or if you want to be charitable, his experiences with the Nine Nine have opened him up and caused him to be more affable, personable figure. Whenever I get too annoyed with that, I think back to the stories um, of the next Star Trek Next Generation set and how Patrick Stewart was just, by his own account, terrible. <laughs> He's like, we are serious actors. And like, oh, come on, dude. And that cast, he, he, he attributes his experience working on TNG to giving him a sense of humor and helping him <laughs> be a better person and not so uptight all the time. Um, and so like, he's like, my family thanks them because now I have a sense of humor. Uh, and so over the course of working on that show, so it was like, okay, maybe he's their own Patrick Stewart. And so like, it, that does actually happen sometimes. Um, but anyway, so adding that dynamic back to the mix for the next time. I mean, mm-hmm. The 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 very meta. Nothing new can happen. This is boring. Yeah. Uh, from from was it? it was from Gina. No, obviously not Gina. From Rosa. Uh, was really delightful. Um. So yeah, it's been a strong season. Yeah, it's been really strong. Um. Even if I do feel like they sort of like, 
I feel like they ran out of steam a little bit in like the back end, just a little bit. The Gina episode where she comes back was like fine. Um, I didn't really love it as much as I was kind of hoping to, but it was it was a decent enough capper. And I know that they wanted to like work Chelsea Peretti in at least once more. Um, so that was fine. But yeah, I was just glad we got a heist episode. And then this finale is strong. So I was really glad that we got it. Yeah. Well, speaking of strong episodes, we need to talk just briefly about what we do in the Shadows trial episode, because when we last talked about it, you hadn't seen it yet. Um, We'll check in with the rest of what we do in the Shadows, probably around the finale. But what did you think of the reveal that the trial is just all actors who have played prominent vampires in various pop culture, uh, but by their names, their first names, not their characters. So till like when they revealed till I had heard like some buzz that there were guest stars, but then it's Tilda Swinton. And I was like, ah, swoon and Evan Rachel Wood and Paul Rubens. For those who don't know, he was the henchman on the original Buffy movie. Uh, so like there's oh, so, so delightful. No, it's really fun. And the fact that, we also got like the original trio from what we do in the shadows for yeah. it, uh, which was also really, really nice. And Batista in like a two role thing, two line role. But it was so good. Like, yeah, I, it was my, real good. my partner and I were both debating. Is that Batista? It doesn't look like him. The, but then I, but then like cadence and delivery type stuff kicked in. I was just like, no, that's, that is very much Batista doing here and i don't care because this is all very good and mm-hmm. i just the degree of humor um with like i really appreciate that evan rachel wood in particular is just like why are we here i don't want to be here can we just kill these folks now so i can go i'm popular right now i don't have time <laughs> for this i'm almost at levels where Kiefer and brad and tom like don't have to show up i'm so close to not having to show up to these meetings <laughs> <laughs> oh delightful yeah i mean and just like the notion that that like Kiefer, bren and tom i care so much less about them than i do about tilda swinton right and batista and these and and having wesley snipes via skype i think was like just the perfect cherry on top too mm-hmm. but it was good i was also really glad that colin was on the console as well Mm-hmm. because it's just like that's so perfect that's so yeah it's just perfect i'm okay with that <laughs> yeah yeah so well done what you do in, what we do in the shadows and jermaine clement and taika waititi for being apparently very nice to work with so everybody wants to show up for a day to wear robes and be silly um i'm going to talk a little bit now about the veep finale uh, so so there's a lot of talk on like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday about Game of Thrones really all week, but especially right at the start of the week about the the bells, which I'll get to next. But while that was an exciting conversation to be having, the conversation we should have been having was with Veep because they crushed it. No, they really stuck the landing. Um, The first half of the episode is shaky and uh, it really had all the troubles I was anticipating based on, uh, sort of the 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 season. The season has been very mixed. Where like uh, some parts of it have really captured like the energy and spark and momentum of the show's uh, like dialogue and pacing, and uh, and really like everything's come together. And then they've had a lot of very strange uh, or just I think not really earned character pivots and some of these other things where I can see what they're doing, but it doesn't quite land for me. It's a little overly broad. Um, and then about halfway through this finale. 
they I described it in my review at the AV Club as Selena's becoming, <laughs> a la Hannibal, and uh, her her consigliere is in the hospital having had a heart attack, and she's like, "What am I going to do? You're my guy," and he says, "You know what you need to do," and and she she does, so she immediately goes out and trades away and like manipulates uh, Rhea Seahorn into betraying uh, uh, Hugh Laurie, uh, his character. She. She then um, trades away gay marriage to get one of the other nominees' support. Then she makes Jonah Ryan the, I mean, for lack of a better word, the Trump surrogate, but Ted Cruz-Trump combo there, um, her VP candidate, which is horrifying, which is enough to, to get, to, to make Kent the numbers by the Gary Cole character say, fuck numbers, you can't do this, and quit politics. And then Amy, to, to snap out of her Kellyanne Conway um, character pivot that hasn't been earned, just to be, and to be Amy again, to literally on her knees begging Selena not to, to choose Jonah. But she does. And then the, the, the piece de resistance is that she sells out Gary because she needs a fall guy for the scandal, like the embezzlement scandal surrounding her husband's use, management of, of her charitable fund. And the this is how you stick a landing. You know what you need to do. You They've set up these character arcs. And if you want your characters to have a big win, it needs to come at a cost if you're this kind of show. And so the cost, we see her sacrifice, like she, she traded away Tibet, she traded away gay marriage. She, uh, her, her ex-husband appears to have been assassinated, though he hasn't been. (laughs) Um, She doesn't know that, but uh, he's, he's living overseas under an assumed identity as we discover in the flash forward. Um, And like all these other horrible things, but none of that has the impact of her betrayal of Gary. And um, that the way that the show handles that moment uh, is really effective. It's incredibly uh, small and uh, dramatic and impactful because it's like she's on stage giving her acceptance speech and then the FBI comes and he's just in the wings and takes him away. And so just with a few glances – you get the whole story and it's just it's it's just amazing acting and writing from from this team and uh then we flash forward 6 months she's won the election she's in the white house and she's alone with her like you know just there's nobody she calls for gary out of ha- reflex but of course he's in jail now um and then we c- cut forward 24 years to the ending that it's pretty clear they like planned back two seasons ago mm-hmm. um and so it's her it's her presidential funeral. And okay. uh and and so we see all the characters 24 years later. Um they still don't like that they still don't know her name. <laughs> her her name, her sorry, her age. She, she was 72 or 73 or some sources say 75. <laughs> um, and so we just catch up with everybody else um and it's very comedic and fun. They bring back a lot. They you find out that her different political rivals uh have have had multiple presidential terms. Like she was uh, a one-term president and just not and like a, a under under appreciated is what 
the Mike, the newscaster says, uh, meaning nobody likes her. So she has no reputation. Uh, no, nobody. She is not beloved by the, by the American people and all these people that she stepped on um, and, as part of her journey did go on to serve with distinction. Uh, the one good guy in the cast, Richard, is has just been reelected to a second term um, and has won the Nobel Prize for his three uh, his his three country solution to the middle east to middle east peace so he's solved the middle east um and married annette so it's richard and annette split i mean it's just delightful there's all these little moments uh like that that they put in there for you to pick up on if you want to see it and if you're just focused on the story you'll catch that and when you watch back again you'll see the interactions and when you watch back again you'll notice oh that's andrew uh, but nobody recognizes him because it's 24 years later and he's got this weird mustache thing. Um, and But he shows up to her funeral. And then they have ridiculously hilarious and vulgar visual gags, uh, like her coffin going into a, a uh, let's say, a very suggestive <laughs> like play, place of internment. Um, yeah, it just it's just really... Is really funny. And, but the capper for all that is Gary shows up for her funeral and has a purely dramatic, tiny, emotional beat at the coffin. And Tony Hill just, of course, nails it. He's amazing in that, in that moment. It's like two lines, but his, uh, he brings in his physicality and his delivery decades of, 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 difficult emotion and connection and betrayal. He brings all of this in just like two lines of dialogue. This cast is so good. So while I have had my issues with this season and with the, the previous season as well, um, I think that they just, this, the part, second half of this episode, when they really, when they hit the gas and go for their ending, they absolutely nailed it. And the way they did that was by understanding that understanding what a character like Selena needs <laughs> Uh, what a show like this needs if you're gonna go big if you're gonna give her the presidency it's gotta hurt and they 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 pulled it off they did a great job fit with the tone fit with the the series run fit with the the politics and the 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 uh sensibilities of the show all the way to the, the final callback of her funeral being interrupted with the breaking news of the death of tom hanks and all the coverage goes to talk about tom hanks as it should and which is a callback to the pilot okay when something embarrassing happens for her um for selena and and so he says well maybe tom hanks will die and everybody will talk about that and like what it's like no 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 i don't know anything but like you know maybe and so to end with us, oh, it's just so funny. Well done to the Viva cast and crew and to obviously creator Armando Nucci and the showrunner for the last three seasons, David uh, Mandel, who just did a terrific job. I look forward to the well-deserved round of final awards that the show's going to get. So, I mean, Selena has just been such an amazing character and Julie Louis-Dreyfus will deserve her Emmy when she gets her final Emmy um, for this character. She's won the Emmy every single year. <laughs> She's been eligible for this show. And I don't anticipate that changing after this finale. So <sighs> well done, Veep. Okay. I need to stop talking a little bit. Uh, so Except, Game of Thrones. Yeah, you need to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones, the bells was a bunch of bullshit and, um, and completely unearned. And here's what I'll say that I didn't say because you ran out of time. <laughs> On the other episode. This is a show where, no, you realize like two episodes ago, they had the Battle of Winterfell, yes. right? And they were fighting the, the zombies and everything. Yes. 
um, you'd have to be just like under a rock somewhere with Wi-Fi to not have caught that, regardless of whether you watch the show. Uh, Danny and her dragons and her army is a big reason why they survived that. Obviously, Arya kills the Night King, but the only reason she was able to was because they had a dragon and a bunch of like armies <laughs> helping them hold them off. Um, so, so the the show wants us to believe that Danny goes from literally saving all of humanity to burning tens of thousands, if not a million people, alive in the streets of King's Landing in two episodes because people don't like her and they like John. Also, obviously, her best friend was executed by Cersei. She lost another of her dragons in a totally bullshit thing. But she decides she's going to rule through fear since the people don't love her. Here's the thing. You don't get to have her save all of humanity two episodes ago and then have everybody forget and not care about that a week later, which is what they tried to do when they're having their feast of survival and everybody's like, woo, John! I mean, whatever. I guess, Danny, you're cool. Woo, John! Like, he wrote a dragon. Like, she brought the dragons? This is terrible writing and doesn't make sense and it shows that you really want to get the show over with so you can go do your Star Wars trilogy. Uh, it's just bad writing and you could have done this arc and had it work, but you needed more time, and they didn't care. <laughs> they went on for the surprise shock value of, is she going to go kill Cersei? No, she's going to go slaughter civilians who have already surrendered to her, because um, that's in character, I guess. Um, hey, she comes yeah, from a long line of crazy people. I mean, I saw season one enough, and that's their justification, I'm assuming, is that her brother was whack job. <laughs> Yeah, and her her father, and so even though she was raised in an entirely different situation yeah. without those influences, hated her insane brother and spent her life dedicated to rebuilding her family name and subverting and, and escaping the history of the Mad King, um, she just has, a, a, like, just decides she's just going to... And oh, after, by the way, dedicating herself to the, um, the betterment and the saving being a savior of the oppressed uh like you know all those people being held hostage by cersei uh, she's just gonna slaughter them all now because we need that so that john can kill her in the finale and we can have our tragic ending yeah it also would work way better if the actors playing john and danny had any chemistry they really don't there's just there's none but we're supposed to that's a big part of what's you know What's driving her is this realize that she's done all this for humanity, but also for John. And then now they find out they're related and John's like a deal breaker um, <laughs> where she's like eh, Targaryen. Um, so, yeah, it's just bad, bad writing and they should do better. Now I'm going to stop talking. And you're going to talk a bit, well, I get some water, okay. <laughs> please, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I already talked last week about what I thought of Missing Pieces. Uh, what did you think of the premiere? I really enjoyed it. I think that their way of keeping Clark Greg around worked really well. Um, I appreciated the dedication that this show has to even some MCU things of, we're going to shoot a big energy beam into the sky. Um, <laughs> I had trouble watching a museum explode. Yeah, this I did too. recently after after uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was rough timing. Um, but I also went. I don't know that Muncie, Indiana, has that nice of a museum. Apparently, they do. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. That was nice. Um, as a good way of like bringing him around, and I like the 
the fact that he's just teamed up with a bunch of like international bikers, interdimensional bikers. <laughs> and I'm yeah. just like, they're, I feel like they just went, all right, what's the least Coulson thing that we could do? Biker gang. And <laughs> I just went, yeah, no, that works. I'm here for that. So I liked everything that was happening on Earth. I liked the um, the way that Mac's been rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit, slowly, incrementally, and has like landed some good folks, it seems like. Um, but I also appreciate the fact that he's still uncomfortable in this role, that he's not sure that he is the right person for this, uh, because it's very Mac as well. Um, yeah, I don't care about Yo-Yo and whatever the new guy's name is, but sure, let's <laughs> do that. Um, yeah, we all know Mac and Yo-Yo's Endgame. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's all good. Um, the space stuff is also pretty solid, I feel like. And I really, what I really, really appreciated was how very quickly they sold how really tired all of them are on this ship and how the fact that the ship is falling apart and the tensions of the fact that Daisy's kind of awful um, in terms of like, they need to know how tough we are. And that's the only way we're going to survive, which is correct. But also just the sheer insistence of it is also, I think, really, really good. I don't like her new hair very much, but... I want to know how she's maintaining that blonde hair in space. But Right? Okay. I have so many questions. Um, but, you know, maybe they swung by the uh, Game Master planet and just found mm. really good dye job work since... <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Um, so I think that there's just... This is a really good setup, sort of a premiere episode of like, all right, here's how we're going to keep Clark Gregg on. Here's how we're going to keep going everything. And here's how we're going to keep doing the uh, short, the search for Fitz. And also Fitz is a drug addict now. Maybe he's got weird eyes. Something's going on. And um, so mm. I just appreciate the way that we're getting teased up for a bunch of really good things in this season. And I'm also excited to see how both of these plot threads are going to end up converging at some point, And hopefully they do. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was a very solid premiere. It wasn't like the best premiere of any, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also, I think the, the best sort of premiere that we could get when they were like, we're not getting another season. We need to wrap all this up. <laughs> oh, but they are. They're getting a season. No, no, I meant like last season. Oh, last season. Yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Yes, yes. When they didn't ex necessarily expect it renewal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, for me, what I read over at the AV Club when I subbed in for that one was that it really shows the strengths of the show, of, of the series, and the group dynamic is as effective as ever. Uh, how'd you like that? Like, we, we used up anomalies last year. We had to call them something yes. else conversation. Yeah, it was very good. It was great. It was very good. Um, so, so just that, that level of self-awareness and finding, um, like, having that feel like obviously it's a wink and a nod to the viewers but it's also it feels right for these characters you know there's a level of self-awareness um that is fun and feels appropriate and like makes the characters more relatable without feeling smug or uh too uh too winking mm -hmm. you know it's like it's it's just enough yeah. right it's, it's, they're not mugging they're winking i guess maybe it's a better way to put it uh so yeah I, I really enjoyed the the premiere and yeah it's not the best premiere they've ever done it's not like an action like 
you know, really tear out the gate kind of premiere, but that that's not what they needed. They needed a setup premiere this time, yes. and and I think it worked well. So I'm I'm fully on board with what you said, were saying. Uh, let's go to our next episode or set of episodes, and that is the Ducktales bomb. Uh, this week we had the golden Sp- the golden spear. Nothing can stop Dilla Duck. Raiders of the Doomsday Vault. Friendship hates magic. The dangerous chemistry of Gandra D. I've seen some of these. I've seen all of the ones from last week. Um, and I very much look forward to catching up with these episodes, partially for Jamil Jamil, very much for the Dark Green Duck episode we're going to talk about next week. Um, but I think I think this format works really well for the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to see, like, I don't know if they're going to keep with the the bomb format, like an airing format, but um, I think it's working pretty well. What, what did you think of these episodes and of the decision to air them like in a burst in a few ep- in a few weeks rather than week to week? Um, I'm generally pretty happy with their decision to air it in the bomb format. Um, it's been, especially given the fact that we're like, we were, they were doing a lot of like work regarding Della and having those episodes in particular sort of like, smushed together i think was a really smart choice i could have like shifted back to a week to week starting after raiders of the doomsday vault but just for that stuff alone plus sending poor donald to the moon (laughs) poor donald can't get a break (laughs) he cannot get a break he couldn't even get a nap and now he's taken hostage by the moon people um Mm -hmm. that i think that that decision um worked really really well and it also like allowed the emotional resonance of having Della back in their lives really hit home in a lot of really good ways particularly like the entirety of nothing had stopped Della Duck and her drive to be the best mom ever and make up for all the time she's lost and then pair her with um Dewey in Raiders of the Doomsday Vault the son that was adamant about finding her and where she went and then them having those moments of, all right, no, I believe in you. I believe that you can be an adventurer, but I will also accept you when you screw up and destroy this apocalyptic plant vault with the money tree. Also, I feel like the money tree solved the larger problem that this doomsday vault was having of not having any money. <laughs> <laughs> Details. Um, so I think that all of it worked really, really well. Um, but friendship hate, hate hates magic resolves the Lena situation, which I was very very happy about. That episode's really good. Um, and then the da- dangerous chemistry of Gandra D is really fat and heavy with um, Jamil. Um, Jamila Jamil. Yeah, thank you. I was just like, that's not right, but it is right. Exactly. And so that episode is good, even if it's a little. Um, it's also a little tired, as the reviewer at TV Club noted, in terms of some of its structural type stuff. But at the same time, they actually find something to do with Mark Beeks that's actually interesting, which is shocking that I they I realized that they could do that. So I was really happy about that. Um, but a lot of it also just doesn't make sense because uh, it's a little overstuffed. But overall, it's really good. And if Padgett Brewster doesn't get nominated for an Emmy, I'm going to be real upset. Because mm-hmm. she's yeah. real good in these three episodes, like ridiculously good, especially Nothing Can Stop Della Duck. Just just for the moon theme? Yeah. Singing the moon theme is enough, like, just for that. Yes, I agree. A while back. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff here. And, and pivoting the moon people, like, subverting expectations with the, I don't remember what they're called, but the moon people. And then pivoting back. Uh, I, that, that's Laura Nash, right? 
Uh, oh, no, no, no. Well, it was Julie Bowen the first time. I don't. Oh, Julie Bowen. Yeah, it's okay, Julie yeah. Bowen doing like a Lauren Ash impression. <laughs> okay. Because it sounded so much like her. Um, but it's David Harewood, right? Yes. As, as the, yeah. And have, casting him as some lead Martian is also delightful. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate the sense of humor that they continue to bring to their casting department. Um, having them as now an antagonistic force and who knows what's going to come next, I think is really successful and, and fun. And, uh, I think they're balancing their threads pretty well this season. Yeah. So I look forward to what comes next. It would have been very easy for like the show to feel like they can't bring back Della because it would upset the apple cart. Uh, and and that's what I think a different version of the show would do. Um, like have some reason where she can't be with them, but she loves them. But like, you know, she's stuck somewhere else to save them. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, and this is just so much more interesting. Yeah. So, and yeah. it's also just a lot more fun because it provides a whole new dynamic for them to mm -hmm. play with. And it also also allows for them to give like David Tennant a little bit of a break because they can have Padgett Brewster come on and lead the adventures to a certain extent. But also like, like you said, it, ch it changes up dynamics. Like we have this lunch launch pad being jealous about the fact that there's another pilot and Hera being jealous that there's another pilot. And then that leaves launch pad and Miss Beakley to try to become friends in friendship hates magic and then them bonding over darkwing duck and it's just like it's so good <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot to to enjoy here so yeah i'm glad that it's, it's working i look forward to catching up with the rest of these episodes and i'm just a little behind on uh, certainly i will hopefully have that for next week along with all of the other superhero shows i'm gonna be watching so much superhero tv this next week it's ridiculous uh but I will not be watching a competitive episode of RuPaul's Drag Race because this episode, Queens Everywhere, is the final competitive episode before the finale. So next week we'll have the reunion episode and then we'll have the finale. And that's the end of season 11. What did you think of this final challenge and uh, how the Queens did and the result? Well, first of all, I have a question about why we're having a reunion uh, episode when we already had one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We like just had that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we're having another one. We've already relitigated Wiggate. We don't need to do it again. Well, because uh, we need more time clearly with Braja and Mercedes and with uh, Kahana Montrese. Yeah. Who didn't make the cut, very notably, to come back for the makeover episode. Um, I mostly, I think, you know, the way that these are produced, um, they, they film all these episodes that we've seen up to this one, and then yeah. they film the finale and the reunion at the same time. Yes. So there's been like, so, so when they did the reunion episode, uh, everybody that they're interviewing will have the experience of watching the show, seeing the reactions, right. interacting with fans. So it will, it will be different. Yeah. No, but, no, I know. but, but I absolutely, hear where you're coming from and i think it's a big reason that doing like that like bring back six queens um for a makeover just two episodes like an episode ago yeah it's not the best idea yeah um so that aside um like you said in your review this is the penultimate challenge for the show now of like all right everyone you're gonna lay over a rap over whatever semi bad song rupaul's releasing um, we're going to do it all in one take now because that's the thing that we do now. And so expect choreography, expect uh, lip syncing, and expect to be doing the podcast. This is the show's uh, rhythms of like, these are the things that are going to be happening, I think works well, but it also at this point means that everyone needs to be prepared. And to your point, like you make in your review, Brooklyn's prepared. Like, 
I've got this I've got this rap that kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's good and I know how to deliver it. I've been working on this all season type of thing is all there. And I think that that's good. And I think that that makes a difference in terms of the enjoyment, but it also makes the producer's job a lot harder in terms <laughs> of creating a storyline for the episode. And so I think that the challenge is good. Um, and I think the the whole concept of it is good. I think the execution of all of it is kind of lackluster, though. Mm-hmm. Of The choreography, despite the episode, um, hinting that it was going to be really complicated never seems particularly complicated. And the way, and again, I'm just going to keep citing your review because it was really spot on, um, is that the segues to each of the queens leaves too much dead time for a couple of them. And you're left wondering, well, why didn't they have more to do? And also, none of this seems particularly difficult. And that just, like, weighs down a number of them as they're going forward um, or transitioning out to someone else. Like, Akira has that problem. Brooke has that problem. Um, and it just it just kills a lot of the momentum that the one-take sort of approach should not should be eliminating by its very nature and so that becomes a large issue there um the final ballroom looks i think look real good like generally across the board even though i feel like we've seen a variation on that dress from silky before oh yeah Um, it just looks it's very traditionally pageant yeah like we've seen yes we've seen lots of queens wear that dress or something very similar yeah okay before yeah no and and same thing with the like pretty much all of these except for obviously Brooke, who's yeah. wearing a, a balli- ballerina, a ballet yeah. outfit. But everybody else, like, we've seen, there's nothing we haven't seen here, um, other than, I guess, the twist with Evie, but it's a subtle enough twist that it still feels like we've seen all of this drag before. It's just, yeah. it's well done, and certainly some for them, I think, is some of the best looks that they've had. No, it is. This season, but it's not something that we haven't seen on Drag Race before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it was just, like, for me, it was just, like, recognizing Silky's dress in a lot of ways of going, like, I feel like I've seen this exact gown before, Mm -hmm. even down to like the swirl sort of pattern for it. And just going like, I feel like you've already worn this before, some variation of it. And I'm bored, Um, which is not sort of the experience, even though I was kind of bored with Brooke's look, even though it's very good. I was also just like with everyone else where I was just like, but you looked so much better in the last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing here? Um, so I think that there's, that it was just kind of a frustrating sort of runway of like, this is all best drag, but it's also very safe drag. Um, even like you said, even with Evie's like twists of threes on it, which I think is finally sort of like final form Evie of getting into, I can do my thing and incorporate what the judges want. And I'm doing it at just the right time <laughs> to win this challenge without actually winning anything at all. Um, yeah. Cause she definitely like, won. It wasn't close. No, yeah. It wasn't even close. Like her segment in the music video is the best segment by far. Mm-hmm. It's also, I, I really like her get her look, and I really liked Akira's look as well. Like that dress that Akira had was really, really good. I thought, but I do think that it was just like sad that she just didn't win actually any prizes here. Yeah, because <laughs> it was just like, but you deserve to win a prize this week because everyone else was just kind of there. Yeah. Um. So that just gets me to the elimination process, and I'm 
we talked about this offline after I sent you some reactions to the episode. <laughs> Which, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. Um, of basically just like, yes, Silky was a lock for Final Four basically in week three or four. Mm-hmm. Even though very clearly should not be, especially based on the last few weeks. Of yeah. She's skating by on a personality performance and not on solid, well-put-together drag. Um, because it's like, you've been read, read for padding for like three weeks straight now. And then what are you doing in this when you do that death drop in your bed? Mm. What is this? What is happening right now? Um, so I do generally feel like this should have been Silky's time to go home, but clearly we wanted Vanjie to go home so that we could bring her back for All-Stars? Um, I guess, but also ginning up the drama to uh, have it be Brooke and Vanjie, who both admittedly did not have good weeks here. But it's also, it feels like the producers and Rue's attempt to make some drama happen when both of them seem on a relationship level very immune to that bullshit. I love that. I love how they didn't play into it. Which is the best thing. Is like, yeah. I feel like they both knew that something was going to happen along these lines, and they they agreed, we're not going to play into this. So, mm-hmm. no. And they don't. And it's great. It's the best thing about the episode for me, apart from Evie basically winning, is they refuse to play into this idea of, no, there's $100,000 on the line. We like each other a lot, but also, it's been like a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because listeners, in case you don't know, for Drag Race, they film all these episodes back to back. Yeah. So it's two days per episode. And they might occasionally get a day off somewhere, but it's pretty rare. So think about an episode. This is episode 12. That's 24 days since they started filming the whole thing, roughly. There's there's like a day off probably each week for the crew and everything. But like... They filmed this in a month. Um, so so like they they knew each other from the pageant circuit beforehand, but they only like started up like a flirtation a month ago. So <laughs> they're not throwing away a hundred thousand dollars for that. And it's been very consistent. And that's part of what uh, like what has made me appreciate the brangy on the show, uh, on the season, I should say, because they didn't like there I'm sure there might be some element of showmance to to what they're doing, because obviously they're smart queens and they both are very aware. Everybody at this point is very aware of what it means to go on drag race. Um, as far like that's part of why all of a sudden everybody's all sunshine and daisies here at the end of the season in this last yeah. episode, nobody's screaming at, like all of a sudden Silky's talking about forgiveness and being so magnanimous. And she's so generous and that she's forgiving all these people who have wronged her um, is that they know that they're going to leave the show and have to deal with fans and have to like work with these Queens. And so it's not worth it to go to like have a big fight at the end like it definitely the best thing they can do for their brand is to mend fences and be viewed as magnanimous and uh, generous at the end of their run so that's why there's no drama here when there has been plenty of you know bickering back and forth all season they also know the end is in sight too like it's it's a really really hard like i think i i would argue that this is the most challenging reality competition show out there in what it asks of the queens um, and what it asks of its competitors. 
so of course they get on each other's nerves. They like they they don't, they don't even have their phones. They can't. I don't think they can watch TV and stuff. Like they go, they they're sequestered in their hotel rooms. Like they have to go into their individual hotel room. They can't even really hang out at the hotel. So like they're just completely in a vacuum. Of course they get on each other's nerves. So at the end of all of this, you know, you only have to deal with these queens for like another day or two. Of course they're in a better mood, yeah. but. What that means is that the producers have less to work with. And I think in this finale, like me, which you, you commented on, in, in this finale, I do really do think it came down to who had a good day and who had a bad day. And as a performer, I know exactly what that feels like. Uh, I, you know, I've had plenty of auditions where like everything clicked and it went really well. And I've had auditions where you know you go in, even if you're super prepared, which clearly both Brooke and Vanjie were super prepared. Uh, and just like something you like you get in your head or you just have like an off moment and that kind of throws you. It's just not your best, right? Even if even if you're doing the work, even if you're there, it just doesn't quite click in the right way to show you at your absolute uh, pinnacle. And I feel like I feel like Akira had a good day. And I feel like, uh, I mean, Evie did, but I mean, I think that was less of a, like, I think it was more in keeping with her arc sort of the yes. season. I think Akira had a particularly good day and I think Vanji had a particularly bad day and just yeah. when they had them is what led to this. Yeah. Um, and but Silky's had so many bad days. <laughs> oh yeah, no, Silky's had so many, but she shouldn't still be here. Like yeah. it's very clear that she shouldn't still be here. And I, I think at this point, the backlash has been strong enough that there's <sighs> no way that Rue is going to let her win. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's reassuring. Congratulations, Akira. <laughs> but, but yeah, but the thing is like, I feel like, um, I mean, having three pageant Queens out of four at the end, Ooh, we'll see what yeah. ha- we'll see what happens in the 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 finale. Having the lip sync battle be the way that they do the finale now, uh, the, like the round robin, um, that can lead to some you know unusual things happening. But uh, while I've enjoyed the season, when you look at this final four, I mean, I, I think that it's a pretty good final four for the group that we started out with. Yes, but when you compare it to the recent other final fours, I mean, think of Sasha and Shay and peppermint and trinity in yeah. season nine versus yeah. these four it's not yeah. even close it's any not. one of those four would beat all of these queens um in in, in the lip sync battle so yeah it's it's hard not to like i i don't i i've enjoyed this season and i've enjoyed seeing a different kind of a group more scrappy group of queens but it's just kind of hard when you're comparing like if you look at the overall run of the show like I feel like it's either going to be Brooklyn or Evie uh, are going to win is going to win this and probably Brooklyn maybe Evie, um, and I still when I see Brooklyn as much as I appreciate uh, what she does her drag and, and as much as I enjoy her and I feel like if she wins it'll be appropriate for the season, I still always think oh oh almost detox like she just always still unless she's dancing she just feels like a like a, a a lesser a less interesting less uh less fat a slightly less fashionable detox and that's that's not good at the end of the season i shouldn't feel that way yeah no the entire season i think has generally been a really flat in terms of the yeah no just like you said of this is just as much as i really like evie and evie's mm-hmm. approach to drag um it's also like this is still just a very flat final four of mm-hmm. 
that it's not as compelling as I would like it to be. The upside is is that they've now all had a little while to hone what they're going to do for this. Yeah. And hopefully that they all have something really big to bring for the finale. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing is that I feel like like Vanjie gets eliminated here. Yeah. And I would prefer her in the finale to Silky. But, I mean, I would prefer Nina to either of them. But yes. um, I feel like like this is coming right off of... Like season 10, Vanjie's the first out. Season 11, she's top f- five. And maybe, you know, there's some producer favoritism there, or there's definitely some producer favoritism there. But just wait till she takes, especially if she takes All Stars 5 off, when she comes back for All Stars 6, she's yeah. going to destroy. When she's had like another year to really like hone what she's doing, get creative with her looks, take a break also from the grind and just keep improving. She's going to like, She's going to she already did really well this season, but she's going to slay on all stars. So any final thoughts on Drag Race or this season or this episode? Who who do you think is going to take it? Um, I mean, I'm, I do agree with you that I think it'll probably be Brooklyn or Evie, though. I think Akira has a fairly decent chance as well if it mm. ends up like being a split of like, which pageant queen do I really want? is I think what like the calculus that's happening there. But I do agree that the backlash against Silky, at least online will probably be enough to like eliminate her. Um, and then the only other thing I s- I'll echo from your review is that Nina will definitely win Miss Congeniality. So <laughs> it's really funny how, how much like, like when certain, like I think it was Plastique and Sugar got eliminated. Like I think was it, maybe it was Plastique. It was somebody recent where they'd like barely even said her name. Cause they were just focused on the other drama. Yeah. Um, and this time they're like, we really like Nina. We're really going to miss her. Like, it's not that they don't like the other queens. It just shows how surprised all of them were that she went home. Because she shouldn't have. She shouldn't um, have. <laughs> anyways. Like, how do you meh? And I also really like that they called out so cute about that. How do you meh a lip sync and stay? Yeah. <laughs> really? Like, that's just how, like, it, it all, it really undermines the integrity of the show uh, uh-huh. to, to have Rue say that. Just be like, yeah, you both did bad, but I guess I'll save Silky. Like, come on. Just at least yeah. pretend that maybe it's going to be a final three, even though we all know it has to be a final four so that the, uh, um, the, 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 the format of the finale works and then have them do the, then have them do the music video and then say, you're all coming through, which is what they've done in the past. Like, yeah. Come on. Anyways. Those are our thoughts on Drag Race. We will have more thoughts either next week or probably at, after the finale. Uh, but for now, what wins your week in TV? Well, um, the anime uh, Sarah's on my, which I mentioned during the anime corner, had a really, really strong episode this week um, that I really, really enjoyed. But and it was going to win my week until mm-hmm. the Superstore finale, which was really, really good and really powerful. And again, something that I really feel like nothing else on American television right now would have been able to do. So Superstore wins my week in TV. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to split it between the Veep finale and the Superstore finale because they're both really terrific, really affecting and in very different ways. But uh, they both balance that humor with the the gut punch like of reality and hum- humanity just in an impeccable manner. So well done to both. Now we will take a break and come back with our season spotlight on The Good Fight Season 3. Be right back after this. I'm happy. (laughs) Am I ridiculous? Tell me. Everything will be all right. What could go wrong? Hello? This is my office. Yeah, I like it. 
Lots of room. Do you know who Roland Blum is? Objection! Why would you object? What are you afraid of? With Roland Blum, the standard playbook goes out the window. This is a joint trial. The two of you are joined at the hip, so get used to it. Don't worry, I'm not gonna you. Nor do you a world of good. Who are you? Who are we? You're African-American. That's your brand. Diversity is in right now. We should be looking ahead to the future. A future where Trump wins in 2020? The new associates. It's an unusual makeup, isn't it? More whites than blacks. Are we really counting now? <laughs> Things don't happen at this firm without a reason. Do you want a mission? Do I want a mission? I'm looking for people who are ready to take the fight to Trump. Tall lady, get out. You are a funny bird. Squawk. Oh. I'm guessing that you haven't been a nanny for very long. I'm not a nanny. I found him at Whole Foods. Okay, strange baby. Time to sell you on eBay. Woo! I'm ready to fight. The resistance starts now. Do your worst. Oh, don't tempt me. <laughs> As attorneys, we are not finders of fact. Sorry, are you still here? <laughs> that was the trailer for season three of The Good Fight, uh, which, of course, is on CBS All Access. It wrapped up its third season this week um, with its final episode. Was it the one with the end of the world or something like that? Was the name of the episode? The one about the end of the world. The one about the end of the world. Uh, so, so this season, we kind of got away from... Um, the the talking about the show well we didn't i got i got away from watching it i got behind and so you were catching us up with it a bit and all but it's been a while since we really chatted about it and um i gotta say uh i'm looking forward to our discussion however mm-hmm. and i know and I, I enjoyed i watched eight episodes listeners in like a day uh, so, so i was binging it um and i did have fun when i was doing that but i haven't overall i haven't missed the show, uh, the the strengths I think are really strong, but there's so many corners of the show that I do not care about and that I think are not interesting or nearly as clever or, um, I guess, uh, bold and uh, political as the show seems to think they are, that it uh, really has uh, – I, I have a harder time taking – the show seriously uh, in, a, in a manner that I think they want me to. So I, I'm very mixed about my thoughts on season three, and I'm curious how you felt about this finale. So I think the finale is generally fine, um, but I do think that the show, that this sort of like, this is such a complicated show in terms of its already, it's admittedly very short lifespan of, all right, we're going to do a brand extension for no reason. For the good wife. It doesn't make any sense. We just want Christine Baranski on a show. And we also need a way to launch our cable show, cable our stream our streaming service because Star Trek Discovery keeps getting delayed. And this seems like the best way to do that. Um but then Trump got elected and we were like, wait, we can do something with that. And then kind of squishy, squashy type of stuff happened. They didn't really know what to do. You could see a lot of tensions. And then season two was like 
yeah, no, we're just going to go full hog on like derangement and this weird and weirdness, but we're also not going to know what to do with some of our characters still. And then this season, it's like, we're going to scuttle these characters that we don't know what to do with. And we're going to hone a little bit of some of the weird stuff that we did last season. But also recalibrate that weird stuff in a way that makes our show feel like a slightly extrapolated dystopian uh, speculative fiction show, even though it's all happening right now. Um and we're also going to turn the woman who was our lead into a fentanyl lollipop sucking heel. And we're going to send her off to Washington, D.C. with a Roy Cohen um, proxy. And it's just like, I love this show so much, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm glad that I you do. I'm glad that you do. I'm glad it's working yeah, for you. No, because I kind of like just how ridiculously messy it is. But I also like the fact that they're just like... It. This isn't working, so we're just gonna get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna pay the price for the fact that this isn't working um, by stranding Luca in weird plot lines uh, with Gary Carr, who's become a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which it seems really mean to Gary Carr. <laughs> um, but also we're not going to do, uh, we're just going to like kind of struggle to do certain things of like, we're not going to give Delroy Lindo anything. And it's, that seems like a mistake on a lot of levels because he's fantastic and not giving him anything to do and giving him weird things to do of like having an affair with a judge that is only there to cause problems slightly towards the end of the season, but like not legitimate problems, just a pro a plot pivot problem, but not an actual emotional character problem um, is speaks to the fact that I don't think that the show has actually figured out what it wants to do or what it wants to be apart from this sort of hyper realistic and by hyper realistic, I mean, crazy realistic um, speculative hype extrapolated realistic sort of dystopian this is what it feels like to live in trump's america type of thing and they're just like really bending hard into that and sometimes it works really well sometimes it doesn't but the degree to which how people are coping with everything that circulates and how they deal with it i think works generally pretty well even when it doesn't make any sense i will say that all this makes more sense generally than diane microdosing last season yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, that's something. Yeah, so that's kind of how I felt about the season going forward. Even if I do just generally really like how weird it is, and how also their apparent tensions with CBS over China of all the f-ing things, mm-hmm. um, but also the fact that they just did a quick freeze frame about the iPhone hack. <laughs> that was so fun. Oh, it was. It, it felt. It really smacked of like we are required to put in the, by legal that this has been fixed. So let's do it. Yeah. in a really entertaining <laughs> fuck you kind of way. Oh, delightful! Yeah. That was fun. We couldn't get the rights to that Downton Abbey clip, so we're gonna have Jonathan Colton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this season has some things that I really like, and some things yeah. that just play right into the, the some of the biggest weaknesses of the Kings as storytellers and as showrunners and. I mean, 
the rich white lady wish fulfillment of this mm-hmm. season is I feel like at the highest the show's ever been to a point where it yes. is distracting and completely unbelievable and frustrating. So like when like first of all, who are these who are these w- rich white ladies that are in this resistance group and why do they know how to hack stuff? Because anyone who would be targeted by this con woman uh would be not that bright or or foolish enough to be able to be taken by her and also have a lot of money and not necessary and, and and have enough enough free time that they can do this group right that she can manipulate them into this doing this group so where are these genius hackers this coming one from hacker right yeah, yeah. and how do none of that like like i i think the show does a good job of showing how um distracted and, and like how they are because of everything that they're dealing with and how overwhelming the world is right now and how that would be very easy for someone like diane to be manipulated in that situation and to be built right yeah i think absolutely but this whole group like when they're like we'll call ourselves the book club who would suspect i'm like oh my god Oh my god! You're trying to make ensure that I really don't care about any of you, uh, I, and I can buy Diane with that. I had a much harder time buying some of the other people in that group. Um, Audrey McDonald, I didn't believe for like a second. So I'm glad that she and she was really only there so that there could be a black lady talk, so that they could talk about reenfranchising black voters and have a character who isn't white there for that conversation. That's the only reason she's there. Cause it's not in her character at all to be involved in any of this. Um, and I, th- I think a lot of that storyline did not work for me beyond the initial part of it. Um, I think there's just, there's several things like that throughout the season that feel like character betrayals. I don't buy for a second. These lawyers perjuring themselves over an affair. Like, I don't believe it. This, the the these are lawyers and the cost the benefits do not outweigh the costs if they get caught and they clearly were caught you know it comes up late like I, and if they if, in order to keep chum hum they're going to admit to perjury right i don't buy it for a second so book club um i think that there's for me this is a really for me Yes, it doesn't make any sense, and I don't understand the ha- this lone hacker lady is there as a plot device to move things along. But this is also a woman that I feel like would have known about the con artist and either made a decision not to say anything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it requires too much head flexing. I absolutely agree. But I also think that there is a desire to do a satirical bit of, all right... Even even our well-intentioned libs can be radicalized and duped by a huckster and then do bad things as a result of getting duped by this huckster. So we're going to do sort of a Trumpian story, but we're going to do it with our libs. And on that level, you're absolutely right. It works really, really well. Yeah, and I think that that's what it is. Is like it, they become more and more radicalized to the point where we get that scene in the finale where what's her name, um, the main, the leader of the book, the de facto leader of the book club now, who makes for a really solid, I think, antagonist, especially going forward. Like on just a performance level, that woman gives really good arch villain and is very in tune with the show. I think um, that they're swatting people. 
And I think that there's, I think that extrapolation of radicalization through this group of women um, who would otherwise be in a book club just discussing things um, and just really just not discussing things and just drinking wine. And because I've been to at least one book club that I thought was an actual book club, but was actually not a book club. <laughs> um, I came to prepared two weeks in a row and realized, oh, this is this is not what this is. Um, and so I really like that. I really like how they structured that and put that together. Um, even if, like you said, it doesn't work that um, Audrey McDonald's character goes to this again, it's only there to have that discussion of reenfranchisement. And then suddenly that other black woman is there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, wait, no, I'm, I think you've been in the background of scenes, but you haven't said a word until just now. Mm-hmm. Um, just when it's like Audra's wanting to leave. Um so I think that on that, like wanting to do that kind of satirical approach, I think works really, really well. And that's what carried me through through it is like the dangers of radicalization, but doing it in a way that isn't about like worried about like showing some sort of other form of radicalization or doing like the Supergirl sort of approach of showing like how this happened to this one guy. Um, and the degrees to which that has generally been really well executed. And I think it has been, um, but doing it this way, I think is a different way of doing it. And I like that. I like that exploration of it, even if it's also still prone to plot holes and silliness. Um, the perjury stuff is a bunch of nonsense, however, and especially from the two of them of how really smart they are and how they know that this could easily wreck their firm, especially since that's basically all um, Adrian has is this firm. And that's all we know that he has because he has no external life that we've been privy to, really. And even down to the fact of the song at the end that kind of like wrapped up the season has him shoveling water out of a sinking boat that is his law firm and but it's also like but you did you you shot yourself in the leg also this is kind of on you but that doesn't come through in the narrative and that's a problem yeah definitely the for the book club i think i needed to see more i think i needed to not just be diane who was like you got someone killed i'm out yeah but it really is every they're like yay we killed someone like yeah I think we the, killed the Stephen Miller esque figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and and if there had been more like just like them justifying to themselves in their tone, yeah. I think I would have like gone with it. Um, but they really didn't, and like, or more of a mixed reaction. Maybe this one, like, the leader really doesn't care, and th- yeah. this person is trying to like lie to themselves because like the, the like the sunk cost right and and it's like and there are a few other people who who leave you know like i think that that would have worked better um so but i do agree that the this conversation of here's how people get radicalized um and i think that part works really well the the stuff with the firm um you know i really liked the way they handled the reveal um about reddick and uh senior obviously um and then brought that back at the end of the season i thought that was really mm-hmm. effective the the perjury affair thing was very stupid um but um the other stuff in the firm i had some trouble with as well and i think that speak like 
I don't know who that's on their writing team, but it does feel a bit like two white showrunners trying to talk tackle race. Um, yeah. And I think, and you're like, it's good that they're not ignoring issues of race in the workplace here and the, the change to the, the culture of the firm that seems to have happened when they hired Diane uh, and, and the people that she brought with her. But do these people ever work? Because the only time we see anybody but our main characters is when they're squabbling ab about their pay and about gender dynamics and racial dynamics in the firm. And I think it would have been much more impactful if they had actually shown them working <laughs> all the time, you know, and then shown how, how the, these different tensions were coming to a head in the dynamic in the firm. That would have been more more successful for me. I got the sense watching that the there's one dynamic in our character's world and then there's a completely different one that they just are out of touch with with amongst yeah. the the lower staffers and i don't know how intentional some of that divide is it felt very convenient like everything's hunky-dory until we need there to be a problem and then there's this massive problem nobody's talking about and that it just felt a little unearned and i feel like there's other ways you could have done that or, or handled that and had to be more more effective i i did like very much that they brought up the marissa and uh jay stuff yeah but the, the notion that marissa's being paid the same as jay is insane ridiculous and uh, like instead of instead of there being an understanding of yeah i'm overpaid i've only been doing this for a year um but also i was helping out the partner you know get his judgeship and that's why um that i think didn't get touched on in the right way or enough um and i just the um the various tensions within the firm felt too convenient i would have much rather had less book club and more of like getting to know these other characters uh, and, and really spending time on fleshing them out. Instead, we just got a lot of Cohen. Cohen uh, what's his name? Roy Cohen. Cohen. But, oh, you're thinking of Blum. Blum. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Blum. I'm thinking of Blum. Um, and uh, and I really didn't like the character. I didn't think it worked. With I mean, uh, for an episode, sure. But she is just chewing so much scenery that I think he he he's was swallowing up the show in a way that didn't really work. Um, and the, the I feel like they they could they could have and should have handled Maya's arc better. It, they really it really felt like they just did her dirty. Um. So the law firm stuff, I think. I really agree with you in terms of it does feel convenient. I do think that the idea that there's um, a disconnect between the partners and the associates, however, um, feels realistic to me in the in their realization that they just wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, and some of that is justified by Julius being the managing partner, going up for this judgeship and not telling anyone when he should have been informing people. Um and the fact that he's not aware of it is because he's distracted. Um, and I think that there's enough of that there that it works okay with me. But I do agree with you that there's a lack of nuance necessarily. It becomes just a series of like soundbite basically dis based discussion as opposed to a deeper dive into things. Um, so when we get to the end where, Ma uh, not Maya, but Luca 
and the other associate whose name I cannot remember. Rosalind. Have a discussion. Rosalind, thank you. Have a discussion about the fact that they were pitting two black women to get against one another only to choose Maya to be a partner um, in an effort to undercut Blum's um, assault, but then actually still maintain the offer to her, even though it makes no sense, like zero sense, like on any level, that either of the other two partners that were in the finale that were like, yeah, but Luca hasn't bought in the hours that Rosalind's bought, and et cetera, et cetera, but but Maya has. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No one believes that. Um, um, That there's a... Yeah, so it just, it feels convenient and a place for them to go to, but it also doesn't feel developed enough. And going forward, they need to develop it. And putting someone back into that, putting an associate back into that mix would be a good way of fleshing out that part of the firm. Um, Even if it's through Luca and giving Luca a number of associates that work with her Mm -hmm. and putting her more in touch with that, because they do set up a good sort of storyline of Luca's disconnect from them um that i think is that is rather promising that they can explore more of um sheen i have problems with sheen from the beginning um it's too much it's too big it's too broad and i'm glad he's going to dc i don't disagree with you about maya but i also feel like her heel turn generally just kind of works um, in part because they just haven't done anything with her enough to be like, yeah, sure. Um, and I think the, the there's enough justification for the firm not backing her up when Bloom plants drugs on her. <laughs> yeah. That that feels justified enough in terms of her kind of wanting to burn them down, especially given the way that even Diane's connections didn't get her anywhere. And okay, that's the thing. I call bullshit on that. And I think the show should have done a better job of really underscoring how entitled she is. Um, and, yeah. and, and and returning to her background of privilege. Because she got a she got several job, op- job offers. They just were going to start in six months or in a month. One was four weeks. And, yeah, one was four weeks. And there are lots of people out there who get fired and or, or let go for various reasons and don't have anyone who can hand them another good paying job if as long as they can like eke out another month you've got friends live on a couch right yeah. she's got plenty of money and so so when she is reacting with bitterness at this other job offers these other job offers she's getting of interesting good work that are not immediately exactly what she wants or what she needs. You know, she needs she needs she needs a job. Obviously, don't get me wrong. It's really, um, I think that like like the, the her being disappointed makes sense. Her like Diane being disconnected and not understanding that you know regular people can't just go without any income for six months. Like, I think they could have played that up more, but they were so distracted with Diane club stuff that they didn't really touch on that um but i also think that like it just feels very entitled rich girl to be like when i want a job now i don't want to wait one month yeah and i think that that entitlement to a certain degree plays through in her willing to latch on to blum Mm -hmm. of i get to build this 
I know rich people was really good. Yeah, and I think that that kind of helps it of like, her father was a scumbag and now she's sort of like tapping into the fact of, I judged my dad real hard, but also this works. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not get enough like emotional play throughout this season in any way, shape or form. Um, so it requires the audience to do a lot of blank filling, which is not the correct way of doing this. Um, and it means that I feel like I'm justifying <laughs> the show's decisions mm-hmm. um, whilst like chipping at little pieces of things and going like tying this little thread to this thread, like a conspiracy theorist and like putting everything into a pitch uh, push pin. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about it is that, I think that there are enough elements there, but all told, I also feel like the entirety of how this season and this show operates is like, Kings, this is kind of why you need 22 episodes sometimes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is to do this sort of thing and do it in a way that makes a degree of logical sense, not just this kind of weird, playful sense that you've been operating in since really season two. Um... So I generally feel like that's sort of the thing of like, if you just gave them like three to four more episodes, I feel like a lot of the issues would maybe be fixed as opposed to just doing 10, which at the same time makes me really nervous about evil, even though that trailer is very good, which is their forthcoming CBS show in the fall. Yeah. I, uh, something I did really like though, was Michael Yuri being back as the NSA guy. And oh gosh, it was so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, though I will miss him, if, assuming he did actually quit. Uh, which though, if he did, that was smart. Uh, <laughs> I thought. I, th- I thought it's the- a good thing he quit. Yeah, it's a good thing. He quit. <laughs> no, the the um the performance from Yuri, I thought was really well balanced. In that, like, I totally believe him getting over invested in these people he's watching. You know, yeah. like I, I thought that he really sold that part of it versus his his partner uh, or his friend at work. Right. Be having that distance. You know, I thought that they they yeah. just pitched those two performances just right to show that. And uh, the the Kurt saves the day episode was, you know, it was kind of stupid. But I I really liked what they did for Kurt and how they showed that dynamic this season. I thought that was a much better pitching of their relationship of her helping him with his pro Trump speech, even though she hates Trump and, and him, you know, helping her out of the election thing, um, like using his job and and compromising himself in a way that I, I would think he would have had a hard time doing, uh, during the good wife. Um, Yes. it, It shows where they've come and what they're willing like what he's willing to sacrifice for her and what she's willing to sacrifice for him. Um, and, and I, I thought that that, that worked really nicely. I would have liked if she had some sense of what he had done of like where it came from, you know, if, if somehow like when talking about the speech he was going to give, uh, like there was some mention of so-and-so is going to be there. So-and-so from blah is going to be there. So-and-so from elections is going to be there. Like, so that she could connect those dots in a really yeah. tangential way. I would have liked that, but um, maybe that's coming down the line. And uh, I also thought it was very sloppy of the NSA guy to like, it was very on the nose. Like, I mean, now I'm going to put a camera up. <laughs> like how much are they being watched on these three hop warrants? 
um, such that they catch all the NSA catches all this stuff, but they don't catch Yuri doing what he's doing, his character doing, I should say, doing what he's doing, and they don't catch, um, you know, like obviously the season ends with a swatting, um, but. Yeah, I just it. I, I think some of these threads are a little murky about how what what they can get away with these like highly illegal conversations they're having having like really everywhere, very comfortably all season is is a bit of an issue for me when they then want to go show the NSA watching and listening to everything they're doing. Um, but I did still really enjoy that corner of the season, and I always enjoy when they hop back to those guys. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Anything else? Um, I do want them to keep doing a Shakespeare soliloquies, um, because I really enjoy those. When um, when Bloom could Blum could hear her, yes, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, no, just like what are you doing? It's just like oh, I'm all for them keeping up the singing too. Yes, no, they need to keep up the singing. They need to keep up the soliloquies. Um, I do want Jay to get more soliloquies because he nailed that one. Um, with the sometimes you just need to punch punch a Nazi one, but also the staging of that is just so delightfully like Henry V. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I just they need to do at least one of those every time. But he he also just nailed it. Like I think his is probably the best one. Mm-hmm. Um. Though I liked how really quiet and introspective uh, Marissa's was as well. Yeah, I think Marissa's was my favorite, but I also really like Jay's. Yeah, definitely like the both much better than the ones they gave Diane. Yeah, Diane is talking to uh, to to Kurt's back. Yeah, and Kurt's back is talking back is the other problem with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's bad. As much as I as much as I really liked it because it was just so weird, and I'm just like, oh, this show's on its own wavelength now, mm-hmm. and I'm. It's also on my wavelength, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's as like as it went on, it was just like, oh no, this the the talking back was a mistake. <laughs> but it was also your first time at it. You figured it out. <laughs> yeah, they did. At least they got better. At least they got better at it. Yeah. Um, okay. Any final thoughts? Do you recommend the season to people who haven't seen it yet? If they're somehow listening, I do. I do, but you should watch at least season two before you dive into this season. Uh, you can probably just skip season one at this point. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> it's a very different yeah. tone in the show. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think, I mean, I enjoyed this enough. If you are interested enough to listen this far, then, you know, yeah. why not? There's a lot of really excellent uh, actors getting some interesting things to do. And as long as you are ready and able to laugh at all the stupid things they're doing, too, then I think you'll enjoy How this How about a witness testifying in ASMR, Kate? That's, I'm going to lick my lips while I talk about. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is I like, I want to read the show for being too over the top about these Trump appointee judges. And then I'll like see an article about these Trump appointee judges. And I just can't like, like there's nothing I can't, can't call them on that when you don't know which articles are the onion and which articles are reductress and which articles are not. Then it's hard to really criticize the good fight for their depiction of some of these judges and lawyers. So, yep. Anyways, on that note, 
Thank you for an entertaining season of The Good Fight. The things, at least, that they got right, they did get very right. Um, And a few show notes. You can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher, and we would appreciate ratings, reviews, either place. You can also uh, find us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Veep is done, but you can find my Drag Race reviews over at the AV Club and Noel. On Twitter, I'm at Noel RK, and my newsletter is tinyletter.com forward slash spaghetti on Tuesday. I know none of you have subscribed to it because I get notifications. No. <laughs> yeah, if it makes you feel any better, like almost no one has subscribed on Stitcher either. I was I was um, uh, bothered by a fellow podcaster and occasional listener that I had to get us on Stitcher. I had to get us on Stitcher, so I finally did, which is not like it was a difficult process, but Finally yeah. did, and like we have so few subscribers on Stitcher. I was like, "Did you even subscribe on Stitcher? Why did you harass me about this?" Uh, no, and I don't judge anyone for not subscribing to my newsletter. In all seriousness, <laughs> I, I mean, it's I I enjoy writing it, and it keeps me like free writing, uh-huh. and that's what it is. But it's also like it's more a depth look. But I will tease that. My newsletter for this week is a anime recommendation for what to watch after that's very Game of Thrones-esque. Ah. And it has nothing to do with dragons. Interesting. Well, I look forward to reading it this week. Uh, so thank you, Noel, once again for a lovely week in TV. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.